Uh, we're in Luke chapter 2. Would you take a moment and go to Psalm 78? Psalm 78, if you would, please. I want to speak to you this morning and again tonight on two thoughts. Purposeful parents and proactive partners. Purposeful parents and proactive partners. Brother John Macy, good to have you back. This guy was in the hospital and then in the rehab and just checked himself out and came to church. Isn't that wonderful? I'm glad to see you, Brother John. Welcome back. I'm glad that God's helped you and healed you. Purposeful parents and proactive partners. That's going to be our theme for this morning and tonight. You know, uh, as we think about uh, the uh, Christmas story, it revolves around a child. And God chose a man named Joseph and a man named, a lady named Mary to raise his son. What an amazing selection. What, a, what is it about them? You know, you and I don't produce what we want. We produce what we are. You say, I want, I want the kind of kids like this. Well, you know what? You're going to have to start being the kind of person you ought to be. Long before they ever held a baby Jesus in their arms, we find several things about Joseph and Mary that are very impressive. I think, number one, I, I, I think that they were both humble people. They, were, they had humility. They were surrendered. They were sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When God spoke to them, they heard. They listened. They did whatever he told them to do. He told them to do some very unique things. And they had a lot of things going on there. They're hardworking people, no doubt. Lots of things we can learn from them. I think it's interesting. They were both very pensive. They thought about things. Oh, would to God that we had some parents who thought about some stuff. You know, and Mary pondered all these things in her Facebook page. It's amazing what people will say on social media and make it really just make a fool out of themselves sometimes. And rather than pondering things in their mind, in their hearts, they just put out their business. Would to God we had some men that would do that, would just kind of ponder some things while Joseph thought on these things. Then... The angel of the Lord came to him. Long before he was ever a father, he was a pensive person. He thought about stuff. She pondered all these things in her heart. She had a lot of inside track on things, but she didn't go blab it to everybody. She kind of thought about some things. I think there's lots of things in the life of Joseph and Mary that are very important. But I'll tell you what's important to God. Important to God is the next generation. Children are important to the Lord. Had the joy to drive a bus this morning in the south side of Chicago and met the bus about seven and drove up there and then brought back a full bus of boys and girls. And, and uh, some kids couldn't come, a family of six kids. The kids got all fired up over Christmas. Their parents suspended them from coming to church. Not a good idea, mom and dad. But that's what they did. They knew they loved to go to church. They kept them from coming. But, uh, but it's wonderful to see moms and dads and teenagers and children get on a bus and someone who visited them yesterday. I didn't visit them yesterday on Christmas Day, but people went up to, on Christmas Day and visited routes and got people to come. And folks climbed on buses today and brought people to church. A beautiful testimony. When I see a little, little boy and little girl get out of their house and come and get on the bus, I think, you know, God loves that little child. He wants them to know Jesus loves. He said, suffer little children to come into me. 
But way, way back in Psalm 78, let's look there and look at that just for a second, if you would, please. Psalm 78, one of the longer uh, sections of our Bible has 72 verses. But if you'll look at me at verse number, uh, verse number four, we will not hide them from their children. He's talking about the things that God has told us, the truths of God. He said, we don't want to hide them to our children. Showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Verse number five, to it, for he established his testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel and commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Dads, you need to be import, your important role in, in developing the next generation. And uh, many, many dads are deadbeats when it comes to spiritual passing it on. They might provide a roof over their head and food, but when it comes to spiritual edification or edifying or helping people, they don't do it. And I know we have a room full of people, not all of them. We have some precious single moms. I called several of them this week just thinking about the single moms in their church, and it's difficult. We had some single moms get on the bus today uh, that I was driving, and boy, my heart hurts because every child wants to have a dad that loves their mom and uh, loves them and loves God. And boy, I would to God that every child had that. Boy, the devil's been successful trying to get dads angry and abusive and uh, aloof, addicted, and just absent altogether. We see that throughout our society, and it's just playing right into the Satan's hands. But in Psalm 78, the Bible says, look, what's important to God is getting the truth to the next generation. Let's continue looking at that in verse number 6. That the generation to come might know them, the, the things of God, even the children that should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. He said, I want this to be not only be to your kids, but to your grandkids. Verse number seven, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their father's stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, whose spirit was not steadfast in God. Quite frankly, I think what we see here is that God cares about the next generation. He cares about the children of this church, this society, in your life, your grandkids, your, and everybody's involved in it. I would not uh, say with our former president's wife, it takes a village to raise a child, because quite frankly, you understand what, I don't think that's necessarily true in that context. However, I do believe this. There are many factors in raising a child for the Lord. And certainly mom and dad are among the paramount. They're the two people that, that need to give the greatest attention to that. Joseph and Mary, two people that God chose to raise the Christ child. Now, he did not have the sin nature that you and I have. That must have been much easier to raise him, don't you think? How many of you have kids that have the same sin nature you have? <laughs> wow. You, you ever wonder why? Why did you do that? You know why they did that? Because they got you in them. That's why they did that. Same reason you did that. <laughs> because we have a sinful nature. Jesus did not have that, but Jesus was sent to the world to do some special things, and God gave them special people to do it with. Let's look real quickly. Go back to our text, if you would please, in Luke chapter number 2. We find here in verse number 21, and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name um, his name was called Jesus, which was so named as the angel before he was conceived in the womb. 
And when the days were of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And it, re it references back in verse number, uh, verse number 23 of Leviticus chapter 12, as is written, the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. That means they belong to God and they're to be given to the Lord. Verse 24, read it with me. To offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves. I want you to notice just a couple things about purposeful parents. Parenting on purpose. Every one of us need this. Regardless of where you are in your life, some of you are single adults, and you thought you might be a mom and dad by now but that's not happened to you. Or maybe you're an older brother or sister and one day that's going to be your opportunity. Or maybe you are a grandparent. But I want you to notice a couple things that we see about them. First of all, I feel like that they were simple people. They're poor. In the, in the Old Testament law, in order when you had a child, uh, they would wait to the eighth day to circumcise the child. And of course, that would be uh, peeling away of the flesh symbolically. And it made them... Jewish. It made them of, of the, the God's people. And of course, all of us who are saved need the peeling away of our flesh and, and the separation between the spirit and the flesh. We've talked about that in Galatians chapter 5 in the last month. However, on the eighth day, they would wait eight days, and then a, a young boy would be circumcised, and uh, they would give him his name. Well, the name, of course, was not a name that uh, they dreamed up. Jesus was the New Testament name for Joshua in the Old Testament. And Joshua was a very popular name for people to be naming their children. Jesus was not the only one. Matter of fact, there were probably hundreds of little boys who had the name Jesus. It was a popular name at that time. And uh, it was a captain of the Lord of hosts, a conqueror. Joshua was a hero of the Old Testament. Didn't lose any of the major battles. Of course, Ai was one that, that he went through, but he was a conqueror, and God had used him. And, but it means Jesus, he was going to be the Christ who would save. Uh, Jehovah is Savior, was what it would mean. And he would save his people from their sins. And of course, uh, many, uh, many mothers would love to have their child named that name after the Old Testament. But they didn't pick it. It was picked for them by the angel of the Lord. Both uh, Mary was told that was going to be the case. And Joseph was told in Matthew chapter 1 that you're going to name his name Jesus because he's going to be the Savior. He's going to be the Messiah that would do that. I find uh, whenever they did that, the eighth day, they named him and he was circumcised. Then 33 days later, according to the Old Testament law, Leviticus chapter 12, um, a boy, uh, on the 40th day, they would bring him to the temple or to the place there of worship. And they would dedicate themselves and him as holy unto the Lord. A little girl, they would wait 66 days later to, uh, to, to go and dedicate that one, the, the little girls to the Lord. But on the boys, it would be 40 days, and they would dedicate them to the Lord. As I think about that, they would offer an offering. They would sacrifice. If they could, they were supposed to bring a lamb and a turtle dog or a young pigeon. But a lamb was quite expensive, and it's obvious that they were poor because they offered two little turtle doves. God made provision for people who didn't have the money, who weren't able to do that. Aren't you glad that God is thoughtful of us? You know, even when tithing, you don't tithe off my income, and I don't tithe off yours. 
God made it equal in regards to not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. And he told them, here's what you give, and here's what you do. And they, they had a choice, and they offered two turtle doves on that day of dedication to the Lord. And it tells me a few things about them. Number one, they weren't spectacular people, but they were simple and sincere. And I think parents... One of the greatest gifts you can give your children, grandma, grandpa, one of the greatest gifts is a sincerity, an integrity. You don't want to be up and down. You don't want to be spiritually bipolar, up and down, not know sure exactly what they're going to do. Oh, they go sometimes on Sunday, sometimes they don't go on Sunday. Sometimes they read the Bible, sometimes they don't read the Bible. Sometimes they talk appropriate, sometimes they get mad and cuss. You want to try to be consistent and sincere. These, these folks, I think they were simple. They didn't have a lot of money. They, God gave his son. He could have given to a king or a queen. We'd understand that. He was going to be and is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but he didn't. He gave him to us a poor family that couldn't even go get a lamb to offer a lamb on the special day of his dedication. Brought two little turtle doves, simple but sincere. Nothing aggravates a child. The Bible says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. You know, dads have a way of teasing their kids. I have made my kids mad sometimes by just saying something to them. And they love me, and I'm their dad, and God puts that inside of them, a heart to love their dad. But boy, sometimes I can really push their buttons with things that I say. But I don't think I hurt them near as bad with my words I say than when my life is not lining up with my mouth. Probably one of the greatest things that aggravates anybody in, our, in, our, in your life is insincerity or hypocrisy. Is when people don't see. They, you know, they, you, when you have someone says, oh, don't do as I uh, do, do as I say. What's aggravating? When someone is not, is not a good example. One of the best things you can give your child is a good example. And sincere. They were simple. I think they were a good example. But I want you to notice too, they were, they were scriptural. They knew what the Bible said they were supposed to do. We need a mom and dads to, to get deep into the word of God. I hope this year, I hope that I stimulated you. And I hope maybe some of you say, Pastor, I've never read the Bible through. Let it be this year. Well, take that thing home and let's, let's see how fast the Lord will help you. And you don't have to read it for speed, but boy, you ought to read it for, for the opportunity to go through the Bible. Talked to a sweet couple in our church, and they're now retired, but they read through the Bible together this year, out loud. Both of them just read it, and they read through, and they finished early. Well, that was a sweet testimony. They each have done it before, but not together, and they did it out loud together, and they were benefited by it. But boy, have someone, they, they knew what the Bible says. They read Leviticus chapter 12. They understood Deuteronomy. They understood Exodus and what God asked them to do. And, and they, were, they, they followed the scriptural mandates. You know, if God tells us to do something, it's his commandments are not grievous. They're good. The way the transgressor is hard. But as for God, his way is perfect. It's perfect. Be committed. I like this couple because, number one, these purposeful parents, they were simple. They were sincere. They were scriptural in their approach. They were submissive. You know, whatever the Lord told them to do, here's the words of Mary. Be it unto me according to thy word. Whatever you tell me to do, I will accept it. Boy, would to God that we just had. Some people are educated beyond their level of obedience. They know what to do. They just don't do it. 
I think one of the sins of our day is presumption. Like, I would rather ask forgiveness than permission. I know what I'm supposed to do, but God, he'll forgive me. I remember having a girl one time telling me she was convinced. She says, well, I'm living with my boyfriend, but God understands. He's already told me it's okay. I said, can I took her to the Bible. I said, can you show this? Can you show it to me there? No, no, I, me and God, we have a relationship. No, no, no. He's exalted his word, that above his name. And whenever we find out God wants to do something, we need to say, okay. So, well, I just can't afford to tithe. Or I can't afford to do this. Or I don't agree with that. Or I'm just not sure. I, I think I'm the exception. You're not the exception, Spanky. No, no. You need to go with the same book that everybody else is going with. You do what God tells us to do. I like this couple because they were simple. They were sincere. They were scriptural. They were, they were submissive. They even name in the name of the, the baby. They, they both got the information. It was no, no, even Zacharias and, and Elizabeth. Name's going to be John. Oh, why? Because that's what God said. Well, why don't you pick a name of your family? Because God said to pick John. That's why we're going to do it. Jesus, they were submissive to that. I think another thing about this couple I like the fact is they sacrificed. I don't know what two turtle doves was, but it probably was a lot for this little couple. I'm sure they had other pressing needs. But when it came time, they did whatever God told them to do, and they sacrificed. I think you, you and I need to learn that God blesses giving people. And everything we give, we give to the Lord. Even if you give to somebody else. We had some beautiful testimonies this week of people within our church family that got a burden for someone else and did something for them. Someone who was less fortunate, someone who doesn't have the same benefits of, their, of, of uh, the blessings that they have, and they did something outside their realm of influence, and they sacrificed. You know, when you give to someone else, even a cup of water given in the name of the Lord is given unto the Lord. Whether you do your alms or your offerings, but you see, this little couple, they, they understood sacrifice. They understand giving. I want to notice something else about them. And look, if you would please, and of course, they got to meet Simeon. We're going to talk about him. He is, I think, a proactive partner in the raising and the dedication of Jesus. We'll talk about him more tonight. And Simeon's a, he's a great testimony. Anna, another great testimony for the Lord. I'm looking forward to talking about that this evening. But what I really like about this is, you know, is that Mary wasn't going to have it easy. She wasn't going to have it easy. Matter of fact, he told her, he says, look, a sword is going to pierce through your soul. He said his life and his death is going to be the rising and falling of God's people. You're going to see this, the, 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 the falling and the rising of others. And it's going to pierce through your soul because the thoughts of many people are going to be revealed. You know, Jesus, 33 years from that day or that time, would be hanging naked on a cross beaten and bludgeoned for our sin, cursed and spit on, his beard pulled and all the things, gambling for his coat. All the things were happening there and Mary would be right there. Mary would watch it. She would hear it. And I'm sure she was still a ponderer of things in her heart. You know, there was a lot of things. The Bible says she was highly favored. But with that highly favor also came some very difficult things giving birth in a barn, potentially. You know, uh, going and having to be rushed off to Egypt and living somewhere else for a while and coming back. The, 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 the reproach of our society and people, even, 
in the adult days of Jesus, people said, oh, isn't he the son of an illegitimate woman? She carried that, that stigma that she had a baby out of wedlock. Lots of things happen. And he said, your, your soul's going to be pierced through it. You know, I think sometimes we think when we get saved that life, and God's going to use us, everything will be hunky-dory. There are some challenging days that come to the life. With new levels also come some new devils. So, well, I haven't had any opposition. You're not doing much for the Lord. You start doing something for God, you're going to find you're going to have some opposition. You're going to have some misunderstandings. You're going to have some things that are going to pierce your soul too. It'll change how you're thinking, how you're feeling, what's going on. Anytime there's movement, there'll be friction. Anytime you try to do something for God, you're going to find there's going to be some challenges that are going to come your way. Mary understood that, and I think Joseph did too. One of the things I love about Joseph is that he adjusted his whole life what will be best for Jesus. Our time is going by quickly, but can you, do you take your attention real quickly to verse number 42, 41. And God fast-forwards uh, under the, uh, the, the, the teacher Luke here, and now 12 years later. So Jesus, so he tells us about the, the dedication, the 40 days after his birth. But this is 12 years has not gone by. Now we see in Matthew what happens in that time. Of course, somewhere in his first year and a half of life, he gets a visit from the wise men from Babylon. They give him gifts of gold, frankincense, myrrh, and then seems to be almost that same night, God tells Joseph, take him to Egypt. So now, in this 12 years, he, has, he was born in Bethlehem. He stayed there for at least a year, a year and a half. The wise men come. They talk to Herod. They find out Herod wants to know, when did you see the star? When is the star? I want to know when that star. He wanted to know because he wanted to figure out how old that baby was, how many, how many kids had to die, how old were they supposed to be. And he killed them all, the two years and younger, and, and they came. And then God sends them with now a lot, of, a lot more money than they'd ever seen in their life. And I'm sure Joseph came and thought, Mary, did you rob a bank or what? What happened here? But all this thing was converted, and they could now make their way to Egypt. So Jesus has now lived in Egypt. And instead of coming back to Bethlehem, because that would be the jurisdiction of Herod's son, who might come after him, they moved back up to the north in Galilee to a town called Nazareth. Matter of fact, people who are from that area felt like Nazareth was the other side of the tracks. Matter of fact, whenever God called Nathaniel to serve with him, and they said, where's this, where's this, uh, when, when someone said, Nathaniel, come follow Jesus, where's he from, Nazareth? He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? God let him live in a very uh, unknown and somewhat uh, looked down upon place. But now he's lived there, and they make their way from the north down to Jerusalem, and a male would go three times a year, but every year the leader of a home would bring their family down to Jerusalem in Israel, and they would come from all around the world oftentimes, like they did at Pentecost or like they did at the Passover. Now they've come down, and let's just see this about, about Joseph and Mary, and we'll conclude today. These purposeful parents. Now his parents went to Jerusalem. How often? Can you read it with me? Now his parents went to Jerusalem. At the feast of the Passover. I want you to notice they were, they had some structure to them. And I think good parenting is somewhat structured. I don't think you have to, you have to just be like a drill sergeant. But I love this, that the, you know what? God told them to be there every year, and they went every year. I thank God for parents who will get their kids to church. 
and Sunday school. Grieves me that many parents miss Sunday school because they're too lazy to get up and go. They don't go back on Sunday nights. They say, Pastor, you're just, you're just beating that little soapbox because it's... Let me just tell you something, and I have a personal reason for that. I got saved on a Sunday night. And I sure didn't drive myself to church that night. My parents decided it was important for us to be there. I don't remember who preached, and I heard lots of other messages on Sunday morning in junior church that didn't do the same for me that that Sunday night service did. I am so glad that my mom and dad loved me enough to keep me under the exposure of God's Word. Somewhere along the line, maybe you read Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13, where the Bible says, Thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great will be the peace of your children. There's a lot of things can be said about the life and times of John Wilkerson in 54 years of living. But so much peace has been experienced because my parents loved me enough to get me under the exposure of God's Word. They, they got me in a Christian school classroom. They got me at camp. They got me at youth conference. They, they faithfully got me to wherever I needed to go so I could hear another verse of Scripture. They came on Sunday night. They came on Wednesday night. We got there before the, the janitor got there sometimes. Waiting in the parking lot, waiting for the janitor to open the door. Some of we were the last people to leave. My dad would oftentimes say, hey, go around and fix all the songbooks before we leave. So all the Wilkerson kids went and fixed the songbook, pulled out gum wrappers and things. I never leave a gum wrapper in church. I've been picked up too many of them already. Well, I tried to, he, he, would, he would make church a, a, a vital part of our life. Why? Because it was there we got to hear God's word. And faith cometh by That'll be some structure in parenting. I think I need to stop with that this morning. And we'll pick up this evening. But I'm looking forward to talking about purposeful parents. Teenagers, I hope you're listening. Just in a few short years, you'll be a dad. You'll be a mom. Those of us who are raising children, may God help us to be purposeful parents. You might be simple and poor. That's all right. That's who raised Jesus, a simple, poor couple who were sincere who believed the Bible, they were focused on the scriptures, they were structured, they did some things every year around the house of God. You and I, we don't have to go just once a year, we get to go every week. We get to hear God's word, and we get to be strengthened from God's word. We'll talk about some more things this evening.